The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Don. Hey. Thanks, Dave. What are you going to talk about today? Okay. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about moral injury and in more in depth. Uh, this is a topic that's uh, gaining, and if I want to use the word popularity, among uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health care workers. Uh, and it's got good science to support it. And as I mentioned in the past, Dr. Koenig uh, at Duke University has done a lot for this, and there are a lot of others that are working on this. But this topic is no longer a backseat, taking a backseat. And part of the problem is, and, and the, the old axiom that you learn in medical school, you only can diagnose what you know. And this is critical because we now know from clinical studies and statistics that PTSD therapy, either counseling or uh, medication, combination of the two, uh, still leaves a huge number, a large percentage, maybe depending on what therapies you use, 70% of, of, of veterans and first responders who are not uh, obtaining relief. And that opens the door for other therapies, and that's how it works in science. You... Again, you can only diagnose what you know, and when you find out that you don't know that the moral injury is contributing to uh, a significant um, inability to treat PTSD in certain cases, then that opens the door for other suggestions. Now, before in these uh, talks, I had to bring in a little philosophy and logic. And I'm speaking to an audience, myself included, of doers, of action people who, as I said before, are action figures. This is what we do. But we're going to have to swallow a large pill on philosophy for about five minutes just so you understand uh, why I'm making the statements I am. Science, it correlates to reality. That's how come... Uh, we are enjoying uh, a lifestyle that we do now, especially in medicine. Therapies that do not go through clinical trials do not get accepted, and, they're, and it's quite an excellent system if it's used, that the FDA has. Well, let me be very blunt. This morning, I listened to uh, a YouTube presentation from an individual who was an ethicist, had a doctorate in it, in it in the area. And here's the problem. These people, the sociologists and certain secular psychologists, they make reference, to, for example, this individual made reference to the sacred, yet she was an atheist. Well, I'm calling on that. Uh, you cannot make reference to the sacred and then continue on in an in a atheistic way. Uh, dialogue with anybody, and, I, and I'll show you why that's important, because before you get on the moral injury train, you have to read your ticket. And, and, and so let me just make a statement about philosophers. Uh, let me just say, there's no philosophical reason to look both ways before crossing the street. I'm, I made that up, and I'll tell you why, because everybody does it, but there's no no philosophical reason you need to do it. However, if you step into the world of reality, the people that look both ways before stepping into traffic will live longer. So then you can go back to the philosophers and say, and I'm talking about high-level philosophy, I don't know any philosophers in the history of philosophy who, is act who have actually made a discovery using philosophical methods. And so... Let me give you an example. We're going to talk about moral injury, where you can't see moral injury, but you can certainly conduct statistical studies on it. Let me bring up something better, the microbial world. 
Well, back in the middle 1800s, where they didn't have a firm grasp of how bacteria interfaced with disease, it was complete speculation on why infections, let's say, after combat developed. Well, what they did with the advent of technology, they found out there were these things called microbes that existed. So where am I going with this? The philosophers did not predict that there would be microbes. So when someone is telling you about reality and moral injury, and they bring in goofy words and redefine words that they'd never define in their conversation, I'm calling on it. Because what I'm going to be talking to you this morning is about verifiable uh, studies, verifiable clinical actions that improve your ability to crawl out of the hole of moral injury. I am not selling a philosophy uh, at this time, and it's not an infomercial for, quote, religion. We'll talk about that a little bit. So when you talk about moral injury and the sacred, you have to define moral. And this particular individual on YouTube, and there, there are plenty of them, that want to talk about morality as a cultural phenomena. Well, you can manufacture those words and think they have meaning, but they don't. Morality is not limited to a culture, nor defined by a culture. I'll give you an example. A million people doing the wrong thing does not make an illegitimate action moral. Let me give you uh, an example. In World War II, the Nazis did experimental surgery on Jews. And I, I wouldn't put it past the Russians what they're doing lately now either. However, 200 million Russians doing surgery without anesthesia or the Nazis does not make that amoral or does not make that moral. It has no effect because they are doing something which violates personhood. So when you walk into a psychologist as a veteran or first responder, you walk in as a person who's been injured. And to realize that is critical. And I'm going to speak a little bit more now. And I'm going to talk about hardwiring. The Nazis knew when they incised somebody without anesthesia, the screaming, they knew that was wrong, yet they persisted. They knew that was an attack on personhood, and yet they continued. And so, you know when your conscience has been violated, why? Because you've been hardwired to know that. And the speakers on YouTube, and there are plenty of them, will try and convince you that what you believe is the result only of your cultural indoctrination. Well, if that was true, there'd be no such thing as moral injury. But there is moral injury. And the Nazis who did what they did knew it was wrong. They knew they should be punished. But there is a jump, and it's psychopathology. There is a point at which... You're a sick puppy if you continue that behavior. That jumps into psychopathology, total disregard for human beings. Stalin had that. Paul Pot had that. And other, other notable dictators had that. They were not normal human beings. They did not have a moral compass. So we're now going to talk about the other side of moral injury. You've, you've had an injury. Well, when you say something's been injured, you have to have reference to a normal state. Having a headache, is that an injury? Well, it is if you have a bleeding subdural hemorrhage, that's an injury. But if you're stressed and you have a headache, is that a real injury? That's up to you. When you say someone has a moral injury, you are pointing and assuming that there is a state, a non-injured state of morality. And the people on YouTube 
don't address that. They use words and they don't define them, and which means that either they've had no training in philosophy or logic, or it's to their advantage to do that. Now, we're going to move into an area now, Let's and I'm going to right. show you... Go ahead. We're going to move into an area and talk about a moral code. Now, this is not new, and we're going to, the reason I'm preparing the listeners for this is we're going to go into depth with, with ancient... Uh, Things they did in the ancient cultures, like the Greeks and the Romans, when people came back from wars, there was a collective community involvement in this area. There was collective storytelling. Telling. There were collective monuments. They took part of the booty to the temple, uh, the gains of war. What that did, it made the warrior part of the community. Now, that part of culture we'll discuss, and the ancients... I will call them people 2,000 years ago and, and before had, had things that we can take advantage of. And we'll talk about that either later today or in another broadcast. So if you want to call a, a practice religious, if you take the basic definition of religion, because if you're going to talk to a chaplain about a moral injury, that's most likely where you're going to end up. Religion has more to do with, we'll call it repetitive spiritual actions. We're not talking about that. One important fact that you need to understand is that ancient literature has dealt with the problem of moral injury. And I'm going to go to the book of Job because I'm not embarrassed about the Bible or Jesus or the things he said. Why? Because they have, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with Don right after this. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr, that's 888-268-4783, or visit jctaylor.com slash awr, drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and back to uh, a veteran's place with uh, our host, Dr. Don Moeller. And back to you, Don. Thanks, Dave. What we're doing, and if you're late to the broadcast, uh, what we're doing is we're showing, and we're about done with this, how your philosophy of life affects the final common pathway of your actions. And if you think that moral injury is something, well, I can't see it, so it doesn't exist, uh, you cannot find scientific support for that any longer. And it's growing, and it's growing through a lack of the level of effect we'd like to see in normal counseling and pharmacotherapeutics, you know, pills to help treat PTSD. The next thing you need to understand is moral injury, if not diagnosed, remember you can only treat what you can diagnose and you only diagnose what you know. Unless you start to realize that moral injury, ignoring moral injury can perpetuate your PTSD syndromes. This has been... This has been demonstrated. It's been demonstrated in clinical studies. And what demonstrates that? Statistics. Statistics apply to reality. You have to remember that. Statistics apply.
eye to analyzing real events and things that are happening. Now, we're going to talk about the philosophers who want you to think that anything with the word religion in it belongs in the spirit world, uh, or redefine the spirit and, and, and morality to their, to their liking. Well, you can't do that, and we're call- I am calling. I'm calling them on that, because uh, you cannot preach philosophy on one hand and ignore logic on the other. And so I'm going to move on now and show you how the ancients had significant, uh, more better success, we'll say, than uh, some modern therapies. And so we're going to look later, not necessarily in this broadcast, there's been significant work done by several theologians in combination with uh, clinicians uh, about using a theolo- and getting a theological basis or a spiritual basis for treating patients. I want to bridge this gap. Uh, uh, what happens in a moral injury? It's a very painful problem. Why? Because it locks us to the foundation of who we are. And we're going to talk about another book by Ed Tick. He's a psychotherapist. He wrote a book, uh, War and the Soul. Uh, we'll probably get to that a little later in the broadcast. But he is saying that moral injury is an identity problem. It is not something that can be solved unless you realize that it's an identity problem. So we're going to look at the book of Job because most people can get a hold of the Bible. In seminary, I learned that Job, and I didn't know this, Job was the first, actually, book of the Bible. Uh, Everybody knows Genesis is the first book. But as far as coming off the press, so to speak, Job, for several hundreds of years, was was the book of God, was the representative foundational work for the Bible. Well, I would say... Job is one of the most important pieces of literature in the world. But when it comes to moral injury, I want you to form your own opinion. I want you to read it. If you're injured with a moral injury, you can read the book of Job, and it will come through for you. And take that from me. And I can also tell you that if you're some rich guy riding a yacht who inherited a lot of money, the book of Job will have no meaning for you. Why is Job's foundational structure so important? Because it deals with death, evil, what is the meaning of life, what is the meaning of suffering, and is there a point? Now, it's very interesting that if you look in the book of Job and think of it, and I like to do this as a Swiss army knife, well, the Swiss Army knife, and I, I confess, I bought the big one. Not the very big one, but one that was pretty pretty wide. It had the magnifying glass on it, for those that like Swiss Army knives. But what, what does a Swiss Army knife tell you about life? If you meet a camper who's been out in the woods, and he said, this is what I have, you have the magnifying glass for getting splinters out. You might even could start a fire. You got the little scissors for getting a hangnail. You understand? It's got everything in a smaller part that you will need. I want you to look at the book of Job in the same way. Well, what's going on with Job? Job had was a good man. The book starts out as a drama. You're in heaven, and Satan's in heaven, and Satan's challenging God. And he's saying, if you don't do something good for Job, he will walk on you. Well... If you've had a moral injury, that's what it feels like. God has walked on you since you have a moral injury, and it wouldn't have happened if you were a good person. And so, therefore, you probably weren't a good person. Well, that's why the book of Job is so helpful to moral injuries. Job did everything right. He was a man of God. The Lord took his land, his children, and what he had. For what reason? The Bible presents Job as a good person and as someone who had done nothing wrong. 
similar to people who suffered more suffered moral injuries. Where do you go now with your moral injury? Well, Job experienced the depth of a moral injury to the point that he got advisors. And who were the three advisors? Let's see, Bildad, Elihu, and so far. What was their answer to Job? You've done something wrong. You could sum it up. The world philosophy says you've you've done something wrong. Well, what were they appealing to? This is the fundamental structure of Job. They were appealing to Job's sense of guilt and shame. The exact same thing that occurs in a moral injury. Guilt and shame and loss of meaning. You, you, your group of friends, we're going to talk about who can... Let me do that right now. When you share the grief you have of moral injury with a second-grade teacher who's 21 years old and you're 50, that's not going to work. A second-grade teacher who's 21 cannot conceive of what you had to do in a war zone or an emergency room or as a firefighter or as a policeman. Veterans and first responders do not find, and I love my second-grade teacher. That's not where I'm going with this. The point being, you have to find another person who can listen to you and is not going to judge you. And that's what Job brings out. He was receiving judgment from his friends. They kept saying it was you. You have to look closer. Take more time. Find something that you did wrong, and that's the reason. Well, Here's the way it applies to moral injury. Nurses working in the COVID situation and doctors with more patients coming, not enough ventilators, not enough beds. You've been pushed into a lose-lose situation. And that's where moral injuries occur. When you take good people, honest people, moral people, that are pushed into a situation that cannot be rectified Doing what? Doing the right thing. And that's what causes moral injury. You are overwhelmed. You've been betrayed. Betrayal isn't something that you may or may not understand. Betrayal may start, let's say, at the top of a corporation where they make the decision in a boardroom to stop funding for the company picnic. And they don't do it at all of all at once, I'm making this story up, by the way, they don't do it all at once. They keep year after year over a period, let's say three years, to wind it down by continuing to cut the funding. Well, the people that put on the picnic keep trying to do more with less. Now, that's what causes moral injuries. There was an interesting article in a surgical journal in 2023, Journal Surgery. They interviewed 20 general surgeons and other surgeons that had to work in forward areas in Afghanistan. Well, the forward uh, treatment teams cannot keep an entire blood bank, so they're limited to so many units. When they got an injured soldier in, even if they could help them, they couldn't use the whole 20 units, I guess is what they had, on that soldier, because then they became mission ineffective. So now the surgeons were not only confronted with a lack of advanced equipment, like in an inner city, uh, major city uh, trauma room, now they had knew that they had to stop the bleeding within a certain time, otherwise they were going to lose their patient by default. That's not a very fair, fair situation to be in. And so, okay. Okay, we're going to uh, take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back right after this. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. 
Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, we're meeting Job. And he's sitting there in a pile of ashes with a big moral injury. He did nothing wrong. He did everything he could right. And it still didn't work out well for him. So I want you to actually think about reading the book of Job. And when you do, you're going to have two, two views at the end of it. That Job never got an answer, which is kind of a standard answer from people who skim it or theologians that don't think this. Bible's the Word of God, but he did get an answer. God challenged him and said, who's in charge? I will be the arbiter of what's fair and what you can stand. Job got a spiritual answer to his question, and that's the kind of answer that you're going to get. And now we're back to defining the word moral. Is there good in the universe, or is there evil? Well, I in a philosophy course, want to tell you, there is, just follow the argument, is there evil that's present or a lack of good? Is evil in itself a quantity or is lack of good a quantity? Now, in physics, there's no such thing as cold. There's a lack of heat. So the problem of cold is not discussed. Cold is redefined as a particular amount of heat present. So if you go to the Arctic and it's 30 below zero, they say, no, I think Kelvin is 200 minus 271. No, you are a Kelvin of 100 and whatever it is. Do you see what I'm saying? You have less heat than you want, but there is no concept of cold. Now, morality and moral injuries... You get your morals. Morality and good, what we'd like to talk as good, only exist in a, univer- in a universe with a divine, omnipotent divine being. You may not have as much good as you want, but it doesn't mean that there God makes evil. There is lack of good in different areas. If you go to, let's say, St. Jude's Hospital, you see secular people doing good. Or, or Christian people, or Jewish, or it doesn't matter. They're doing good. If you go to the inner city where people can't get medical care, there's still good there, but not as much good as they need. That is not evil. What happened to people in moral injuries, and this is critical to understand, you got to look at it, what an attack on your personhood feels like, and that's what you're experiencing. If you're full of, you know, uh, turkey and hot food and having a great Thanksgiving, and that's what your life is, is one great Thanksgiving, more than likely you are not going to come intact, in contact with you as a, your personhood. If you're sitting on the deck of a big yacht in Italy someplace, skin diving, more than likely you are not going to have a foundational appreciation of your personhood. Now, why am I speaking like this? If you suffered a moral injury, and many, many veterans have, many first responders, many nurses, many ER people, you fit. There's nothing you can do to get in a time machine and avoid that situation. You're going to have to work through your moral injury. And you're going to have to receive it as a spiritual answer. Now, I will also tip my hat, because this program is not a religious station, 
but I will tell you that your the effect of your culture and community will help you work through this problem. And that's why we're going to be talking about the way the ancient peoples uh, solved this problem, because it worked, and it helped. Now, how far will the cultural uh, uh, therapy, we'll call it, help you? I don't know whether or not that makes as big a foundational change as a complete spiritual answer from God. But knowing that God did appreciate what happened to you and knows about it and knows that you are not a bad person, that no longer characterizes you. We're going to talk about therapies such as uh, giving back to the community, uh, helping other people. What that does is it transfers your belief of guilt that you're guilty and you should be full of shame. It changes it into being a contributed individual. Because you went to a war, you worked in an ER and had to do make decisions that no one else could have done better than you did, does not make you a guilty or a person just deserving to live the rest of their life in shame. It has nothing to do with it. What it does have to do with is that you are not a bad person because you had to make a tough decision. Notice I used the word bad and tough. You're not bad and good for that decision. You're neither. The decision was forced upon you with limited information, limited uh, resources, and you were the one that had to flip the switch. It was neither good nor bad. And you need to realize this in a moral injury. What did Job do? He did nothing wrong. And that's why that's such a critical book to read. Here's a man that did nothing wrong and was being told by the philosophers of the time, and these were big hitter philosophers, apparently, you need to look harder for something you've done wrong. Well, that's not what healing of moral injury is about. You were the product and the result of a horrible situation that you most likely high probability no one else could have done better. So that's one issue. Now, we're going to go back to a quotation that Christ had. What are the two greatest commandments? Love your neighbor as yourself and treat others as you want to be treated. All law is founded on these two principles. And that took me a long time to try and get away. I thought, wait a minute, there's a Ten Commandments and what and what. But just think about it. What is a moral injury? You tried to do unto others what you would do to yourself, but you were prevented from doing that. You tried to love your neighbor as yourself, and you were prevented from doing that. That's why those are the two greatest commandments. That is the basis of moral law. That is the basis of a successful culture. Other people in the tribe should be treated as well as you treat yourself, and you want to treat your neighbor as you would treat yourself. So you've got the golden rule. That is the basis of a moral injury. You were put in a situation where you intended to treat your neighbor as yourself, just like Job would have done. You intended to do unto others as they would have done to you, and you were prevented from doing that. That, my friends, is a spiritual injury. So, uh, Dave, would you like to comment on this for a little bit? Uh, my only comment is that uh, we've had the almost the same topic was on the doctor's lounge today and uh, this came after I read uh, Isaiah 5 this morning and uh, you know it's PTSD is going to involve all of us at some point in the United States as Isaiah 5 points out that we look at Right is wrong, and wrong is right. And uh, our morals are teaching us that almost on a daily basis, that 
if uh, the group goes along with it, well, it must be okay, must be right. And uh, like you pointed out, at some point, this is all going to blow up in our face because we are a society that wants and really uh, deep down inside of us, we believe in in the golden rule. And we've been taught that, well, most of us have been taught that. I, I can't say everybody because uh, we know that there are problems, there are home problems, that uh, things like that aren't taught. But that's my comment for where we are right now. Good, Dave. And, and how do you work through a moral injury? Well, you we live in a... Co- let me tell you what really happens. It doesn't matter, basically, if you understand what's going on or not. There are a lot of medicines. Take aspirin, for example, one that was made back in 1890 by an organic chemistry chemist. Well, it worked. They did not know about all these Hox gene, I mean, Hox uh, inhib- inhibitors, psychooxygenase inhibitors. Whoa, they didn't know about that. We just knew aspirin worked. That did not lower the efficacy of aspirin. People used to use that for years, even as an low-dose anticoagulant. They didn't know about that. They didn't have the outlined coagulation uh, pathway. When they said, look, aspirin works, here's what I'm trying to say. The fact that you think, or a listener thinks, or I think, that we don't have a spiritual side to us, is it doesn't doesn't matter you do and i mean i made my living helping people with facial infections and when it's infected it's tougher to get numb even when you put them on antibiotics and they said is this going to hurt and i said most likely it will but i've done the best i can to make it as small as i can that's due unto others okay so if you want care for your moral injury, the first thing you need to do is get someone who's going to be an ethical listener. And who is that? Well, I made the example of the little second young second grade teacher because more than likely that young person would want to be an ethical listener, but I don't know that that person could do it. Another veteran if you are a fireman or a policeman or an EMT, that's why you seek out other professionals like yourself. They're not judgmental. You have to listen, be an active, ethical listener. You are listening because it's therapeutic to tell your story. I had a friend tell me that the VFWs and the American Legions were drinking posts well, are they? He said, no. They were places where you could have a drink and you could talk to your buddies about how bad war was. They were therapeutic centers. And then we say, well, that's kind of odd. No, it's not. Because this fits back with the theme of you need to have someone from the community listening to you. And a therapist, even if you go to a psychologist, And I heard the psychologist say this in another YouTube this morning. Young psychologists or other psychologists that grew up, let's say, in Disney World, when you have to tell them what happened as a soldier, veteran, they're horrified. Well, the rule in psychology is don't become your patient. Don't get so involved that you can't step back and have clinical acumen or clinical separation. Well, an effective listener, an ethical listener, has to be able to say, I've been there and I know what you were through. Then the thoughts come out. You have got a uh, a cesspool of bad feelings of shame and guilt. The only way you're going to get rid of that is not with medicine. You have to combine. Even if the medicine helps you, you have to get that out. Now, how did they do it? In the olden days, way olden days, 
they had welcoming parades, the whole community, even in, quote, primitive. There are no no things such as primitive societies. They welcome the warriors home. They have a feast. They let the warrior know, but for the grace of God, I would have been in your shoes. That does not happen in our culture. Yes, hey, thanks for your service. Remember, when someone says, how are you doing today? They really don't want the answer. I mean, they greet somebody, hey, how are you doing? When you're an ethical listener, you want, in a therapeutic mode, to listen in detail with a non-judgmental heart to the veteran talking to you. That is his way home. The community, it, it, it will take a strong person in the community to be able to listen to a veteran's story and not judge. You weren't there. Now, what does the Bible say about that? Something very similar about judging people. You don't do it. You didn't walk in their shoes. So if you want help and you want to help a veteran, make sure that you're part of a culture that understands that war is horrible. And he had to endure it for you to keep your freedoms. Now, I will make a comment that there's some people I will quote uh, later that, that make war seem terrible. It absolutely is. But let's take the example of Russia. If you don't stop those people, only a simpleton would think they'll say, oh, give them Ukraine and they'll be happy. We all know, all the NATO countries know, Russia will take whatever it can get, and so will China. We do not go around with hate in our heart, but we're realistic. Now, I'm going to tie this little bow and finish it here in a minute. You see, we learn from experience. War is inevitable. That's just the way mankind is put together. You try and deal and wheel and stop it, but there is a point where, for example, Russia said, we're not going to invade. Are you kidding? And they did. And they're horrible, horrible people, not Russians per se, what they're doing. Well, we have to live in that world, and I can guarantee you that the Ukrainian people are going to have PTSD and moral injury for the next 50 years. And that brings in another topic. When you have a moral injury and PTSD, and I was going to get to it later, we'll get to it next week, your family can be infected. And I use the word infected because now it makes it seem more like a disease. If you look at families, and I've treated them, where the dad or mom were soldiers and they had PTSD, those families are not the same as families without mom and dads that have PTSD. And the worse it is, the more prevalent it is. So just because you say, well, how can you transmit PTSD? In fact, if you look in the literature, the Jews who went to concentration camps and later raised their children in Israel, they had, those children had more problems with PTSD than the normal population. How is that transmitted? Well, the fact is that it is. That's why I started my program today talking about I don't care about your philosophy. If you can't connect philosophy, philosophy with reality as in statistics and clinical studies, your therapy has no predictably reliable use. And I'm going to say that again. If you have strict philosophy, no matter what it is, it has no predictive capability You've just got another happy thought. Spiritual treatment of PTSD problems and the moral injury as it impacts PTSD has clinical efficacy. It works. And it works in many cases. You will never find any drug, any surgery that fixes any everybody. So you can put that on the back burner. Clinical efficacy has been demonstrated in moral injury as it applies to PTSD. There is hope. And we'll talk about more about how we're going to work through that. Uh, again, we are not giving medical advice. At no time uh, is Dave or I telling you what to do for your problem. 
we are giving you uh, ideas. Now, you also, all our listeners, it does not hurt to go online and look at other people's comments on moral injury. It's not too hard to find. There's a lot of things to read, a lot of good stuff. Why? It's not necessarily the therapy. It's that you've really got a problem. I treated a patient yesterday that had been living since 2010 with moral injury, and that individual says you're the first person to even mention this to me. And I thought, how, how unfortunate. The VA had classes in PTSD and what to expect. And this individual said she thought those were pretty helpful. But I said, what do they talk to you about shame and guilt and moral injury? We had no, no information on that. So knowing that you've got a, a moral injury, and as you can read about it, and now you can get on the right track, that is uh, half, what is it? Well, well done is half begun, half, whatever, what is that? Two? Well, well begun is half done, that's it. Well begun is half done. Well, think of it that way. Go online. You can get some books. Go to Amazon.com and look for books on moral injury. You don't believe everything in every book, but it will definitely put you on the right track. Well, Dave, that about winds it up for me here. Well, we've got uh, about seven minutes to go. <laughs> so, uh, All right. We can, uh, you know, moral injury, and, and this whole show is... Like you said, you're not prescribing anything. You could, but I can't. And uh, But we're not. That, that's not the point of the show at all. The point of the show is to put, you know, it, it's like you take a blank pad, and what have you got? A blank pad. But you take that blank pad and you write PTSD on it, then you've got something else. You've got something that a lot of folks can talk about. A lot of folks that have come back from Afghanistan, uh, come back from Iraq, come back from wherever they were deployed. And that's all we're trying to do is talk to them and let them know that there is help out there. Uh, there's help because of you. If you're if you have PTSD and you're having a a problem sleeping at night, well, you have a device that uh, helps a person with PTSD sleep. And I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. And when I first started the station, PTSD was almost, you know. What does that stand for? What, who has that or what is it? And uh, I must give credit to a lot of folks like yourself, Don, that have come a long, long way in making the public aware of PTSD and how it can affect not only the individual that has it, but the families and loved ones around them. And uh, it... Like I, I liked your analogy a minute ago about the fact that it is a disease and it can be caught. And, uh, you know, a family with one member that has PTSD can spread that disease to many of the other members of the family. And, you know, you pointed that out very, very well. And... Uh, I think this is what this program, uh, A Place for Veterans, is all about, is not you or me or no one else can answer all of the questions, and I don't know that there is an answer for all of the questions, but at least there are people out there, uh, service officers in many of the service organizations that want to help you with the VA, that want to help you get through whatever problem you might be having. And uh, that's what this show is all about, and that's what the radio station is all about. We try to give answers and get people help. And hope, Dave, and hope. And I mean, there are 20, 
suicides a day, and I think they're probably a lot more than that. And if you think, wait a minute, I can't take another day feeling guilty and ashamed and angry, just realize there's help. And if and if you can't find it, call you know uh, America's Web Radio or send them an email, and within 24 hours we'll find you someplace. But you're not alone. And if you're a firefighter, you know. The article I quoted about the surgeons, these were surgeons. These were middle-age-type surgeons, middle career in the Army, captains, majors, majors, and lieutenant colonels. Even they were going, we can't take this. No supplies, overwhelming amount of soldiers, moral injury. They call it moral injury, depression, or distress. That's what it was. Uh, burnout from surgeons. And, and family practice, is that burnout or is that you can't take another day of moral injury? So my final comment is you did nothing wrong. You were put in a situation that nobody could have done any better than you have. And your psychologist, psychiatrist is obliged to tell you that. It's not, did you have a problem? Yes, you did. But did you cause it? No, you didn't. So you can you can just realize that God's not holding you accountable for something you had no control over. And back to the story of Job. Job had no control over that situation, and God blessed him at the end of the story, guaranteed him a place in heaven, and let him know why and what happened. And that's true for every single person that's listening to this radio show. And we want to remind everybody that you can, if you haven't been listening live, you can always go to our archives at americaswebradio.com and find the show and listen to it, download it, listen to it. We don't charge. We don't, we just want you to get the help that you need. And, uh, Dr. Don is there for you all the time. So, um, Listen to the show at your convenience, and uh, we hope that you'll pass it on to other people and uh, let them know that uh, there's a place. Yeah, Dave, I didn't mean to interrupt, but family members can listen to this show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And your friends and acquaintances can listen to this show. You don't have to be just someone involved with moral injury or PTSD. Okay, well, it's uh, time to wrap it up, and uh, we'll get out of here. We'll be back next week with A Place for Veterans. Don, thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Bye. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.